Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the MLS Bench Podcast. I am Joey. I'm back after a week-long hiatus uh, where Matt and Andres did a great job covering for me in my week off, but I'm back and Andres is with me this week to go through a full slate of MLS action that included some Derby games, a couple big wins, playoff spots being solidified, all that good stuff. Uh, it was a crazy weekend of MLS and now there's only two weeks of MLS action until decision day. So Andres, how are you doing? And boy, we are right at it. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we came on air that you know, I did something I hadn't done for a few months. Uh, usually I, I kind of watch all the games one by one just to, to go through the different teams and tactics and so on. And I just decided uh, this Saturday to spend you know, that whole chunk of time basically between 6.30 Central and 11.30, uh, consuming everything live and watching multiple games at a time, um, following Twitter, looking at the scores, and um, it was it's just so much fun you, when you do it that way. So much stuff is happening at the same time. Um, it can be hard to catch up and, and really dig deep on things, but it's a ton of fun to, to follow. So, yeah, that was, that was a good time, and um, now we're really getting down to crunch time and, and the end of the season. Yeah, in the scuffed world, we call that sicko activity. Like, you're incredibly invested in this league, and we all appreciate it here for sure. Um, and I mentioned about Decision Day. We're obviously in the international break right now. The United States is over in Europe playing Japan and Saudi Arabia in those friendlies. Uh, we have a few games sprinkled in between now and uh, not this coming Saturday, but the Saturday after that. But that that kind of that second Saturday from now, uh, October the first, is when MLS really resumes. We have a a couple games on Saturday, a few on Sunday as well, and then the Sunday after that, uh, October 9th, is decision day, and then playoff spots are everyone's locked in, and then the playoffs start very soon after that because again. The season ends, or MLS Cup final, is on November the 5th because of the World Cup and its weird timing this time around. So, you know, we are basically here, and coming back from the international break, there is no room for error. So, I think we can just start, you know, with that kind of thought in mind. Andres, what were your main takeaways from the weekend? Because we had a lot of interesting results in terms of Philly tying at Atlanta. We had playoff spots, you know, towards the bottom of the, the playoffs being either, you know, teams kind of losing all their uh, hope of contention, teams kind of jumping up in that 6-7 spot. So a lot of storylines, but what was the one that you really um, were looking at as you came away from this weekend? Yeah, for, for me, it's really the, the playoff, you know, shakeup. There was a couple teams that we thought were pretty much guaranteed in, uh, Minnesota, uh, probably Columbus, uh, you would have given good money for RSL being in. And there was a few teams that we thought were pretty much dead. Miami, uh, I would say Atlanta was for sure dead, and now they have an outside shot. Uh, Vancouver, we thought would have been definitely out. Um, in the Galaxy were tending towards being out that really made, gave themselves a chance, uh, some of them more than others. But I think those, you know, there, was a, there was a possibility, there was a world in which coming out of this weekend, the seven spots in both conferences were 
just about wrapped up, uh, if not for one or two little loose threads, uh, and it went the opposite way. And now there's scenarios in which a few different teams that we thought weren't getting in could get in, and a few teams where we thought were going to get in are not. So I think that's my biggest takeaway is that we really kind of uh, threw the cards up in the air and, and they landed up uh, different than, than we expected outside of, you know, maybe New England getting getting the, the boot there at the end uh, and Seattle significantly hurting their chances. Everybody else kind of came together. Uh, so that was my takeaway. How you? Yeah, very similar because, you know, you're right. We had teams like Minnesota who we thought were penciled in. Then they come out this weekend and get smacked 4-1 against SKC of all teams who, you know, in fairness to our boy Matt, has been playing much, much better in the last month or so after, you know, really incorporating Willie Agata as well as, you know, Eric Tommy and those other su- summer signings um, into the lineup. But, you know, it's still SKC who's sitting 12th in the West on 37 points. Minnesota United, a team that was, you know, at one point, like third, pretty, pretty locked in at third in the West. They're now in deep danger of falling out of the playoffs. They're tied on games with RSL and only two points ahead. RSL sitting in the eighth spot and the Galaxy, the team in between them, who has a game in hand over both. But, you know, Minnesota is in danger of dropping out now. And you have those three teams, like I mentioned, uh, Minnesota, LA, and Real Salt Lake really battling for those, you know, last two playoff spots. That's really the, you know, thing that, caught my attention is the Minnesota kind of debacle because even before this week, I'd say that, I mean, they were kind of a lock. They just drew LAFC, which, you know, let's be honest, it's not a bad draw. They still have uh, San Jose and Vancouver to go. So you would think they would make the playoffs, but they haven't won in the last five games. And, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, Andres, but like there's cause for concern up North. Yep. Um, you, we've talked a lot about how how dependent they are on Reynoso to provide most of the uh, attack there, the chance creation. Basically, everything goes through him. And also, you know, the last win that came against Houston, uh, and it came in the game that Debassi got hurt. Now, Debassi got hurt when before they went on to win that game. Um, so I'm not saying that it's a one-to-one correlation, but they haven't won since um, since he's been out of the lineup. We talked about, I think it was last week with Matt and I, or maybe it might have been two weeks ago with you, about center back depth and, and Minnesota's maybe, a, you know, that's an area of weakness for them. Um, so it's shown. And if you're missing DeBossi at center back and you're missing Reynoso, uh, it can be difficult on the road to get a win, even against uh, SKC, a team that really doesn't have much to play for other than pride. Uh, that's been playing better. So, so yeah, it's been it's been a rough go for Minnesota. Even the win against Houston, they didn't look great doing it. Uh, and then three nothing Salt Lake, three nothing Dallas, four uh, one Sporting. Those aren't those you know no those aren't just losses. Those are are bad result bad losses. So you would think San Jose, uh, Vancouver is a doable schedule, but the way they've been playing, it wouldn't surprise me if they fall out. Uh, so we'll see. And we've seen crazier things happen in and around decision day in this time of year. Like, you know, uh, an out-of-form Minnesota team losing to a, you know, Vancouver team that I think mathematically is still in the race. You know, they, yeah, they definitely are mathematically still in the race, like maybe even to decision day. That's not the craziest thing to imagine in the world. 
Uh, and yeah, they've been shipping goals recently. And I think Debossi plays a massive role in that because we know how good he's been for this team. And yeah, his they, uh, them losing him kind of coincided with their fall. Again, not a one-to-one correlation, but certainly a, a factor in that. I, I think just more broadly on Minnesota before we move on, like they didn't look amazing versus SKC yet. Like they're not looking like great, and then just being really unlucky in these games. Like they've they've struggled, and you know, like you mentioned, it was three nil, three nil, one nil to the Timbers, four one uh, to Minnesota. Those four out of the five uh, games that they've played have been losses, and you know, those are just not flattering results. Again, they tied LAFC, but it's not like those other teams are world beaters. Like, if they lost 4-1 LAFC, I can kind of see that, but it's it's 4-1 of the SKC. So that's that's interesting to me as well. And when I was talking about the the main themes that I've been, you know, looking at and what I saw this week, that was mainly it in terms of that race. But I think it is worth mentioning that RSL has slipped out of the, you know, the seven spots in the West as it stands. What do you see in this RSL team, Andres? Because Again, a team that we were talking about, I think I do remember this discussion we were having about a month ago, that, yeah, this is a playoff team, and now they're not. Oh, just to wrap up real quick, Minnesota and Vancouver, like you mentioned about Vancouver being in or out of, uh, or, you know, having a shot mathematically. If Vancouver wins their next match and Minnesota loses, uh, then decision day is Minnesota-Vancouver, and there's two points between them. Vancouver could theoretically jump Minnesota for the last spot on decision day at Allianz. Now it's at Allianz. It's going to be a tough game for Vancouver, but it's very, very possible. Uh, should Vancouver beat, I think it's Austin. They have uh, their, their second to last game and then go to, then go to Minnesota. So it's not an easy road, but it's definitely within the realm of possibility. Um, and okay. Now moving to RSL. Uh, yeah. So th- this is one of those teams I think we all kind of don't understand how they get it done when they do get it done and kind of expect them to kind of regress uh, back to the mean. Let's say they're, you know, they're a very together team that plays well and tries hard, uh, but they don't have that top end talent. And I think Savarino adds a little bit of that, but you compare that with some of the teams around, uh, around them in the standings and it's probably where they should be based on talent and they were overperforming that pretty much anyways. So you get to the point of the season where teams are kind of desperate. And I think, uh, you, you can't just rely on, on being together as a team and working super hard. You need some of those game changers to, to give you those uh, moments where, where you, where you win a match that you, you maybe shouldn't have. So I'm not super surprised with RSL. I'm surprised more that it took this long, but they always seem to surprise us that way. Um, and they could surprise again and jump in like they did. Uh, I forget it was last year or two years ago where on decision day they get in again. I guess it must have been last year, right? They get in and then they make a run to the West Finals. So that's kind of where I stand on ourselves, the same place I've been for them with them for three years. Um, and yeah, that, that's about that's about all I've got on them. I think the thing that's tough for me, and especially, you know, coming off what we have seen this team do over the summer, which was really sustain a, a, a good spot in the West. I think they were four, fourth or fifth for most of the summer into September, 
a really good position, a great spot to be at for this team. Like we talked about, like we never have high expectations and they always overperform. But you know, this slide it has just coincided with a few like the teams like Portland, for example, finding their form finally and getting back up there, right? If Portland doesn't find their form, RSL's still in the playoff picture. Now, RSL has hasn't won in their last four games. Three of those four have been losses, including uh, the 3-0 loss to Austin last week and a 2-0 loss to LAFC. It's just a tough schedule, right? But also, they the last two home games that they've had have been DC United, a 0-0 draw, and uh, FC Cincinnati, a 2-1 loss. So they've had their opportunities at home to take a, a point, at least in terms of the Cincy game, three points, certainly when we're talking about DC. And and they just haven't they haven't got it done. And now they're stuck kind of in this weird purgatory of they have to perform still. But a scenario exists where every team you know in that range kind of wins their last few games, and RSL's um, outside looking in because they just haven't gotten it done since the start of September. Unfortunate for a team that like we talk about really principled, have really solid players. You know we love guys like. Um, you know, Waffleson, the midfield, Pablo Ruiz, you know, Justin Miram, a vet, guys who just get it done in the back as well with Ferrer and Glad. McMath has come on big for this team this year. You know, a solid team, but at the end of the day, they need to be a little bit better than they have been recently if they're going to make the playoffs. A team, like we said, though, can make a run whenever. Anything uh, else on... Yeah, go ahead. I think the Galaxy, uh, their second-to-last match, and then they have Portland on decision day um and that might be for for a playoff spot just like vancouver minnesota might be for for a playoff spot so they're still in it they sort of control their own destiny depending on what happens with the galaxy's game in hand um and with what happened with portland in the second to last week but there's there's a path for them still uh but they need to perform better than they have over the last two months because you mentioned the last four games, and it's, it's been not great, even going back a little further further back. So, yeah, that's that, they've, they've got a chance there, uh, but it's going to come right down to it. Whereas two months ago, they were pretty solid again. And I think that's a story for, for a good number of teams. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. And like we talked about, like Portland's a team that I didn't see them making the playoffs two months ago. I think I said that straight up. I just didn't think that they were going to make the playoffs. And here they are in fifth place now. Like we said, only three points behind RSL, or three points in front, sorry, of RSL on an equal amount of games played. Anything can happen. That decision day matchup could be absolutely huge uh, for both these teams if they're looking to stay in. That one at the riot. Um, But just touching up on RSL, like I mentioned their home games, they've been winning a decent amount of their home games this year they've been really really solid um in their home base and that's because it's a tough place to play and when you got the fans going they had sold out a bunch uh to start the year in may june i think that range and they've been playing really well a lot a lot of home wins and just recently that that success hasn't maintained and that's when they've started to slip i am interested now that we're on kind of rsl you can finish up on RSL if you want, but I do want to move on a little bit to their opponent this week in terms of Cincinnati, and we're talking about teams making moves. Cincinnati has made their move. They sit in sixth place in the East, have really maintained that position uh, kind of just above the playoff line for a little bit now, and sit three points ahead of both seventh 
and 8th place on an equal number of games played. Cincinnati has, still has work to do, but if they see this thing through, it'll be a really, really impressive campaign that wasn't without, you know, places to slip up. What do you see in Cincinnati, Andres? And I'm going to say that they're, they're going to get in. Um, they've got a game in hand. It's Seattle, which, which might be tough. But then it's Chicago and D.C. to finish up. I think they'll win those games. Um, they're, they're fun to watch. You know, they weren't particularly great in this RSL game uh, for the majority of it. Uh, but those front three can beat you at any moment. And when you have three guys at that, playing at that level, uh, you could pretty much win any one-off game, uh, which is what I think we saw with them uh, here with RSL. You, you can see Lucho uh, creates for, for Brenner. Brenner's super calm on that second finish. Um, and we mentioned it last week, I think it was. Celentano's been a huge revelation for them in goal. And, you know, so much better than anything they've had in the last, you know, three years. Uh, and that's that's given them a base where they're not giving so many cheap goals away. They still aren't super great defensively, but they're they're not historically bad anymore. Um, and when, when you get that and you get development from Barrial and you get a second-year surge from Brenner and then you get development from Vasquez and Lucho's engaged, uh, it makes for a pretty good recipe and it's, I think, going to be enough to get them over the line. And I wouldn't want to face them if I'm in the East. You know, if I'm Montreal or if I'm Red Bulls or, or New York and I get them in the first round, uh, that's a three that's, that's a front three that scares me. So it's it's been fun to watch. It's good for the fans and, and for the management team there because they needed it. Uh, and as a neutral, it's it's been a story that's been pretty, pretty fun to, to follow for the last four or five months. Oh, yeah, super fun. Like you said, that front three is always worth turning on. I'm not at all mad when I say, or when I see a Cincinnati game, that's the main game. I'm like, okay, let me turn this on and see what they can do because you named them. They're doing great stuff. And Wobodo in the midfield, we've touched on him in the past. He's been a revelation for them as well. And I think it all does go back to Celentano, though. You mentioned a lot. Matt's mentioned it. You guys have really been harping on how good he is. And he came up massive in this game. He, 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 uh, well, he, yeah, he saved the penalty, right? Yeah, with against Pablo Ruiz. Um, yeah, and it was a dumb, it was a dumb penalty to give up. Um, yeah, and and it was, if I recall right, right before halftime. Uh, yeah, yeah, right before halftime, and, and like, that would have been a huge blow to go down after equalizing on the road. Um, so just you know that moment to save it is is a huge lift that then gives them the impulse to to go forward and win the game. Um, yeah. Sorry, go go on. I just you reminded me of that save, and it was it was a big moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I just had to make sure, but yeah, because I I watched the game last night and massive save on uh, Ruiz. Uh, you know, Brenner had equalized on forty four minutes, and then on forty five plus three, Ruiz has that penalty to put RSL into the league, get the fans going into halftime. It gets saved by Celentano. Brenner ends up scoring on seventy six minutes, and that makes it two one and. Cincinnati escaped with a win in a, a game that I'm not sure that they would have thought they could have taken three in, and in large part because Celentano, after committing the penalty, comes back and saves it and keeps them in the game, and that's just absolutely big for them. Um, and that's the reason right now why they have breathing room at you know kind of that playoff race, 
and why we're looking at Columbus and Inter-Miami, teams on an equal number of games and equal number of points, and almost separating Cincinnati out because Cincinnati's on an even number of points with fifth place Orlando. So like Cincinnati could slide up into fifth. They they won't just be looking to keep their head above water. They'll be looking to jump Orlando in fifth. So, you know, this team at the end of the day could be, you know, in a fourth, fifth matchup uh, to start the playoffs. And for them, I don't think anyone saw this before the season. And it's just credit down to all those guys who have either stepped up their games this year or the front office staff. We talk about uh, Pat Noonan and and the entire team that have brought new guys in, have in- incorporated a younger, fresher perspective, and they're, it's, it's paying off big time as they're above the playoff line. Uh, I didn't mention for RSL. I will mention now for both the, uh, RSL and Cincinnati, not that it's going to matter because they're not going to play anywhere near their full-strength teams, but they do both have friendlies against um, Liga Mekis teams. RSL has Atlas during the international window. Uh, Cincinnati has uh, Chivas. So just a little something there if you guys wanted some you know, a little auxiliary soccer to tide you over during uh, the week off. But yeah, for... For Cincinnati, it's kind of the opposite of RSL. They have found a way to keep their head above water, and now we're looking pretty good as we head into uh, October, whereas uh, RSL slipping a little bit. Andres, I'll let you kind of drive this next one. Where do you want to go? Where do, uh, teams you want to touch on? So just to wrap up the West um, playoff race, or we could do the East playoff race. I, I, we can go with Galaxy uh, just to finish up that 5-9 through nine area. Or we can talk Columbus and Miami, which is the the final the race for the final spot in the East. Where do you want to go, West or East? Who says we can't hit them both? Let's start in the West. Okay, so one of those teams that I've been pretty down on, um, and so here is a moment for me to hand up, uh, hold up my hand, and say, okay, seems like uh, the Galaxy are are more likely than not to get in now. Uh, Huge win against Colorado uh, over the weekend. Um, some really, really lovely balls uh, from Grantier to to Brugman for that for that first goal. Uh, and this is a team that was struggling uh, to score. They're still super inconsistent. Uh, you look at the midweek where they get blasted by Vancouver three uh, nothing. Uh, they don't take. You know the win against Sporting when they when they got that penalty late, they missed penalty against Nashville, but they've got San Jose uh, and Houston left apart from the from Real Salt Lake, and they're already above the line. Uh, so for me, this seems to be a team that's got a pretty good shot now, uh, where I was not expecting that, and they're still not getting a ton of goal scoring from their wingers, uh, but they're playing much better since Brugman and Pooch. Are in the team, uh, and it's a team that creates enough chances where they finish a couple of them. Uh, they can be dangerous. So well done to the Galaxy to to get above the line here. Uh, let's see if they can get across it. Yeah, I mean, and they need it right after uh, well uh, last season, kind of that disappointment. But I mean, you're right. Like the Galaxy have found a way they they've been up and down and up and down and they find a way they found a way to stabilize over the last couple of weeks. I haven't watched as much Galaxy like in like live as I have been wanting to, but Pooge just seems by all accounts, he's a revelation in there. He's pulling stuff off that you would expect from someone who's come fresh from Barcelona. Um he he looks a level above even 
in this league as a whole. And yeah, I mean, when you have someone doing that kind of stuff, you're going to get goals here and there. They got a bunch versus Colorado at home for one, the win um, after getting, you know, kind of smacked up in Vancouver, but they've gotten enough points to keep themselves above the line as we head into this last, you know, a little bit of a stretch and they've got that game in hand. You mentioned because they have RSL right um, in, in the second to last game, if they're, if they are able to win that game in hand, that'll just be, you know, that'll mean the world for that team as they would go to three points clear of RSL and have a, a real chance to get a win and punch their ticket in. A, a real turnaround from the Galaxy, and in, at least in momentum, because the momentum, what, a month ago was pretty bad, and now it seems to be better. Is that kind of the way you feel, too, at least in terms of the, the feeling around this team? I mean, it is after this weekend. If you asked me that, uh, four or five days ago, yeah, we were yeah. because you know they get smacked by by the Whitecaps uh, midweek. They miss a penalty uh, against Nashville, where they could have won at Nashville. That would have been huge. They miss a penalty late uh, with Sporting, where they could have gotten three points, and that would have been huge. Uh, they drew Toronto, uh, although that was on the road, and I think that was a pretty good result at the time. But it, it wasn't. It wasn't awful anymore. Uh, it wasn't defensive collapses, but it also wasn't great. Uh, so it was kind of middling, enough to keep them around. Uh, and now with this win against Colorado, I think that, that goes a long way. And with their schedule coming, uh, I think it's favorable for them. And if the schedule plays out the way that you would think, where I think you, you could expect them to, although they've lost to San Jose, uh, you could expect them to beat San Jose, um, in Houston, uh, they could get in with some momentum, uh, which for a team like the Galaxy, being with confidence uh, with their attacking pieces could be dangerous. Uh, but I'm not sure they're they're quite there yet. Yeah, I'm not sure that they're there. That yeah, that they're there. Uh, let's try this again. No, they're there. Yeah, I'm not sure if they are there yet either. Um, but you know, Cali Classico, if you're able to get that win, like. There's only so many ways that they can mess it up down the home stretch. And I think kind of my feeling was like, yeah, you, you know, the missed penalties are unfortunate, but you know, at the same time, you, you're putting yourself in positions to win games in a way that you weren't a month ago. Um, and defensively, it's not been amazing, but it's been better. It, it hasn't, you know, been a, a four, two loss to sporting, uh, like it was, uh, the first game of August for them. And that was just not good uh, whatsoever. The three, three against the Sounders was another low point that they were. So it felt, um, and, and they've kind of stabilized that defensive ship a little bit, you know, barring that Vancouver game, uh, for what it's worth on Colorado. Uh, I think they were officially eliminated even before this, but a good season for them, uh, in terms of, you know, just trying to, find a way to right the ship, but not what they had wanted. I don't think like, I don't think any of us saw Colorado as a, an amazing team and kind of losing Austin trustee. I wasn't really sure where they were at, not what anyone had, you know, hoped for with this team, even bringing in Giassi's artists midway through the season. I think just disappointing for this team, but I think room to build on. And that's why I don't think it's all negative. Is that the way you see it? No, I think I'm going to be harsher on Colorado here. Than oh, wow. Were. Okay, okay. This team was first in the West last year um, at the end. I mean, they, they 
probably weren't the best team in the West at any point, but they ended up finishing first in the standings um, at the end of last season. They lost lost quite a bit of guys. You know, they, it's beyond trusty. They lost uh, Cole Bassett. They they lost Sam Vines. Uh, they traded uh, Kellen Acosta, brought in Mark Anthony K, and then traded away K. Uh, so yeah, there was some turnover, but that said, I would have expected them a significantly better. Uh, I'm with you. Maybe I didn't expect them at the top uh, of the West, but they should have been probably around where Nashville is, uh, or, or, you know, Nashville, Portland, another eight or nine points better and, and fighting for a home playoff match rather than, I think they're mathematically still alive technically uh but they're not going to make it uh and rather than being out of the playoffs altogether so i think it's it's pretty disappointing and i don't really see a whole lot of youth development happening this year because uh, they sold most of it last year so it's kind of a, a start from scratch thing for me from colorado so all in all for me i'm pretty disappointed with with this season yeah that's 100 percent fair i'm kind of an eternal optimist so the reason why i thought it was a obviously not a not a hat like not like no one's gonna be feeling good about this but like the reason why i thought it was an okay season is because i just didn't expect much from this team because i was pretty on that the the wagon that yeah they weren't the best team in the west and they just kind of happened into that spot uh but yeah no i'm with you like you expect this team to play better or at least be challenging for a playoff spot at bare men um and that's just not what happened though i i do view that turnover the roster turnover of losing sam vines you know, Kellen Acosta is gone, as is Mark Anthony Kay, having those two in the last really year, year, year or two, and both of them gone. Um, you kind of named them all. Cole Bassett, too, over to Europe. Uh, you know, those are big losses, and for me, uh, those losses might slightly, oh, that might have a slightly more weight in my mind than it does yours, but I think your take is not at all unfair. I think that they should have been better. I'm just not quite as down because I view those losses as so big and be, I don't, I kind of view their end position last year, not as a, you know, necessarily representative of the team that they were, but I'm sure some people would, you know, strongly disagree with my assessment that it's been, you know, a mediocre season and would have a much worse take on it than I do. I mean, here's, um, the, here's the thing, Joey, or, or I'm going to ask you, cause you look at the roster or who they've got right now. Uh, playing significant minutes and who are the who are the guys that you're saying all right it wasn't a great season but we got xyz minutes and development and we're building towards the future because i don't see that part either no that, that that's fair that, that's fair I, I i think i jumped the gun on that a little bit because i yeah you're right like i don't there's not too many maybe lewis veteran team you're looking at yeah. guys like jack price and jossie's 31 i think now and rubio's Late twenties, Barrios, Acosta, uh, Abubakar, Rosenberry. These are all guys with plenty of MLS experience, uh, and even like a Jonathan Lewis now has you know what five years, four or five years experience. So it's not like you're getting a bunch of U twenty guys in there um, and saying, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna suffer for a little bit, but this will make us better eighteen months from now." Uh, they started a little bit with that of that with Preso. Uh, but there's not a ton of that behind. So uh, I think there's a rethink coming in Colorado uh, slightly quicker than I would have expected because I, I would have thought they would have been a decent team, uh, at least a playoff contending team. 
Yeah, that's fair. I I probably started a little higher on this team than I, I am since you've given your, you know, well executed, you know, display of why this team is not the best. But um I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to get all down on Colorado. No, I mean I mean and, and the more I think about it, the more I'm disappointed. So yeah. I know. It's like one of those like the more you think about their situation, just like it just does not get better. But no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Uh, I, I the Preso thing is interesting to see if how he and Lewis are kind of able to. They are kind of the youth on this team because I would still count uh, uh, Lewis's youth. For what it's worth, Lucas Estevez. Um, it, it still says that he's getting. Uh, he's going back to Palmeiras uh, this winter. We'll see if that gets you know brought back and if he comes back for another year. But at this point, he's been a a pretty good outside back for them. He's getting shipped off. Um, so we'll see what that does for this team overall, though. Not a team that I'm, I, I haven't been excited to watch them this year. I'm, I don't think I'm going to be excited to turn them on uh, next year. You know, it's a solid team, but they're, like you said, they are aging. Um, not, not the season that anyone in Colorado would have hoped for. I think you're right, mathematically still in it, but, you know, practically they are dead. Um, so that's kind of where we wanted to touch on with the West and kind of that race. You want to hit on the East, and I'll kind of give you the floor with um, the Miamis, the Columbuses of the world, and that race is going to take place over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, sure. So I thought I thought it was wrapped up, honestly. I was uh, 90% sure Columbus was going to get across the line, and Miami was going to more or less fall apart here. Uh, you know, Miami had a really rough game uh, a few weeks ago where they went to Red Bulls, they were playing well, were on a winning streak or, or an unbeaten streak. And Pozuelo got a red card when they were up one nothing. Uh, they fell apart a little bit in that one. And then without Pozuelo, they lost. Uh, were super flat against Chicago. Uh, and at that point, it was looking like they were pretty much done. Uh, and then they actually beat Columbus head-to-head. Uh, and Columbus back-to-back-to-back uh losses or drop points in the last 10 minutes of games that's three in a row now uh to open the door uh or now more than open the door because now miami's jumped them uh in the standings now miami's got a tough a little bit of a tough road i think toronto was sort of giving up here so that's more doable but they get orlando on the wednesday before decision day and then have to play montreal uh, on decision day, though Montreal might not have my, much to play for. So it's a little bit of a tough road for them. Uh, but whereas a week ago I thought they were done, uh, they are very much back in it. And a lot of that has to do with Columbus giving up late goals, like we talked about. So uh, it's an interesting race for, I think it's only those two teams. I think Atlanta is not going to get there, uh, even though they're playing much better. Uh, but there's definitely, you know, a race for that last spot. Yeah, that that match against uh, Red Bulls, I do remember that very distinctly and kind of feeling like, oh, is is this the end? Like, it just was a really ugly loss after some good soccer by Inter Miami. Yeah, looking back at their schedule now, before that game, they had won three and drawn two in like the month or so leading into that game. Then they, uh, then they, then they lose three one with the red card after being up, then they lose to Columbus and it's just like, okay, here it's all, it's all gone. Then they lose to Chicago and then they 
they get two good wins now um, in the last two games, and they're sitting kind of better than I think we all thought that they would at this point in the season. Um, what we were talking before the season, or even like a month ago, I just didn't see them at, at the seventh spot above Columbus. And that that game, um, the uh, the game a week ago versus Columbus, is going to prove a massive result either way, right? Because if Inter-Miami is able to hold on to this spot, Columbus is going to be scratching their heads saying, we had this team who had been out of form, who had lost uh, three straight, and we had them with a chance to basically cement our playoff status. We had one of those six-point swing games, and now Inter-Miami is ahead of us in the standings and looking to close this thing out. That'll be crazy to see how it ends. And for what it's worth, Inter-Miami's got Toronto, Orlando, and Montreal. Not by any means the easiest schedule, right, uh, to come in with. But this team is kind of crazy, and they've pulled off results and have dropped games that we didn't think were going to be probable. So I kind of don't know what to make of this team. I Anything could happen, Andres. That's kind of my view. And I'm going to ask you, because I'm, I'm looking here at the schedules and games remaining and everything. So Atlanta, technically still in it, if they were to win... Uh, against New England and New York City, which are their two two remaining matches, they'd be on 46. That means Miami and Columbus need to get minimum of five points to be to be guaranteed here of Atlanta. So it's Toronto, Inter Miami, um, Toronto, Orlando, Montreal for Miami, Red Bulls, Charlotte, Orlando for Columbus. Do you think they get either of those teams? Can they get those three matches? And if so, and if not, then Atlanta wow. has a chance still. It's not over for Atlanta. What was, it, what, what, what was Columbus's again? We've got Red Bulls, Charlotte, which is the makeup game, um, and Orlando. That's not easy for five. Points. I, it's not. It, it really, it really isn't easy. I, I think that because. Mm, I think the tough thing with the Miami is I would say because of the form that they're in that they would make it, except that both their Canadian teams, they both have to... They, they take trips to Canada for both those games. Not, and not, then not Orla- the, last the, last, the last one is at home. Oh, oh yeah, that, that's not me. Sorry. The last one's at home. Montreal. Montreal probably, nothing to, probably nothing to play for because Philly's going to be clear of them. I could see it happening with Miami, and I could see it happening with Columbus. But no, now that you read that off, that puts a lot more doubt in my mind. I just don't see Atlanta beating NYC, so I think that conversation's kind of moot, and I think it's back between Columbus and uh, Inter-Miami. But yeah, if Atlanta wins those last two games, I that that's conversation fodder right there. I, I don't know. Miami's got to play midweek before decision day, and that skews my thinking a little bit. Um, yeah. Because that's they're going to be one of the few teams going on three days rest uh, into decision day, but they're going to be at home, and Montreal's not going to have much to play for, so maybe that balances it out. Um, it's going to be really interesting. This this last spot, I think Cincinnati's in, uh, and I think Orlando's in, so it's really these two teams for one spot and an outside chance of Atlanta uh, going in. So that's what I'm keeping my eye out especially this this upcoming uh, match week cuz it'll it'll set the table pretty pretty clearly. And Orlando's going to have so much uh you know influence in how this goes down because 
they're on an absolute tear, and they play both these teams. Uh, the or, Inter-Miami plays Orlando that midweek of Decision Day, and uh, Columbus plays them on Decision Day. So we're talking oh, about oh, massive oh, games oh, for both these two teams. Uh, Orlando is Atlanta's best friend, uh, technically, th- theoretically. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Um, the reason why I think that Inter-Miami is going to be able to do it is because Montreal has nothing to play for. And I just... Yeah, I, and, and Toronto really doesn't either, besides maybe the pride that, like, this team isn't the team that played, you know, the first half, and maybe we can do some, like, first half versus second half comparison and be like, oh, this Toronto team actually wasn't that bad. But no, I, I think that... I think that Air Miami is going to do it. Um, and just because of games in hand and the fact that Atlanta has to be perfect, I'm going to say that I think Columbus would stay ahead of Atlanta either way. But I think, yeah, Inter Miami is going to be that. Inter Miami is going to be that final team. Now, last thought on this. Yeah, so, so now that you've said that, last thought on this. Go flashback six months. Uh, to when the season started, and think about the rosters on Atlanta, the amount of money spent, the roster of, of Columbus, um, and the amount of pedigree in that team, and think about how much Miami had to rebuild, uh, having to give up Carranza for free, basically, or pay to give up Carranza, and start basically from scratch. It blows my mind that that team would finish ahead of Columbus and Atlanta in the standings. Uh, it's a really remarkable uh comeback story or, or or you know story of kind of resilience against pretty much almost all odds and i'm not here to stand on my soapbox i'm the first one to criticize uh the first three years of inner miami but this is really uh, quite the story if they can finish above those two teams i mean just think about how crazy it is i'm sure we're going to do this in the next couple of weeks um and even through decision day as we kind of look back on the season that has been at this point, like we're every team's over 30 games, like we're, we're here now, but it just who would have thought come February when I was sitting here doing the first week by myself, um, that we would have predicted with, you know, certainly with FC Cincinnati with a decent amount of certainty that this team's in the playoffs, they're set. And that inner Miami against Columbus and Atlanta, yeah, Inter Miami is going to be the team to make the playoffs. Not Columbus, not Atlanta. It's going to be Inter Miami. That's just like, that's just wild to me. And both these teams. The points record, New England, isn't even in the conversation. Not even in the conversation. Like just, just not in the conversation whatsoever. The supporter shield champions, record holders, the the entire thing. That that Charlotte right would be ahead of New England. That's just still that's wild to me. Um. I think as we can kind of move on from this conversation, so much, by the way, to you know, keep track of, we, we try to do you know, the bottom of these uh, playoff races justice because you know, it is, th- these are the spots up for grabs. I kind of want to hit on one more point that I was thinking of when I was watching games uh, this past week, and then we can kind of start to wrap. I, the teams that just, you, when you dig yourself a hole in this league, it's hard to get out of that hole, right? And Toronto, and I, I was wa- I was watching these games uh, side by side. It was on my left side of the screen. It was Orlando and Toronto. On the right side, 
it was New England and Montreal. And we talk about two teams who have good talent. Now we have two teams that are, you know, Toronto's not in form now, but they're more in form than they were to start the season, especially with those players that we know can pop off any game. But those two teams, Toronto and New England, dug themselves a really, really deep hole through the first half of these seasons. And they've been in contention at times to maybe think, okay, maybe they can get up there, get in the playoffs. But in this league, when you don't perform well over a long stretch of time, generally you don't get rewarded at the end of the at the end of the day. And these two teams, as good as they are now, just didn't do enough through the first half of the season to keep them afloat. And that was something I was thinking about. Is like this New England team on, on the form that they're on, they're not playing bad soccer. They're certainly much more enjoyable to watch than they were through the first half of the season, but they were they they dug themselves a deep hole. They were sitting eleventh, twelfth at times. Like that's just not going to cut it. And for Toronto, like they're a team that was you know thirteenth, some at times fourteenth. Like they, you can put in as much talent as you want into that team, but MLS is that league where you're not going to have necessarily a, a a normal run of fixtures where you can just keep winning and keep winning and. Toronto hasn't, and that that was kind of a an, an interesting thing I was thinking of when I was watching those games. Is like you've got to be good from basically the jump in this league, or you're not going to make the playoffs. Andres, do you kind of share that sentiment with these two teams? I don't know. New England's been playing pretty pretty rough here. They've lost three in a row, um, or five of their last seven. So they had every opportunity. Uh, to to make the playoffs had they been on a slightly better runner form um and in, in new england's case i think the roster is pretty good they lost some major pieces uh and turner was pretty much replaced by petrovich pretty much one for one i think petrovich probably the best him and blake are the two best keepers in the league right now uh but you know they lose buchanan barrero comes in and gets hurt they haven't really gotten anything out of Veroni. You have some regression to the mean uh, from the players that overperformed and some of the luck that they had last year. Um, and you end up with this sort of season, but they could have been uh, there. They were there or thereabouts, and the last month has been really rough. I'm more with you on Toronto. Uh, Toronto really did dig, dig themselves into a huge hole where they had to be near perfect at the end of the season to to have a chance um and once it looked like it was going to be out of reach they've kind of recollapsed again so yeah on toronto i think i'm i'm more aligned with you where they they made themselves such a big hole that they were never going to really get get out uh new england had a chance until about a week and a half ago uh if if they have better results against the red bulls against houston against montreal uh they're right with miami and columbus in the same discussion but now as it is uh, they're pretty much done. So, one and one, I, I would say. Yeah, that's fair. I think with me, I, maybe I've just watched the right New England games in which to just like see how they've been like playing compared to past games. Like they were, I mean, not gonna say all over Montreal because Montreal had a lot of corners, but they had their they had their fair share of chances against Montreal to win that game. They had chances late too. Vrioni had one where. He was in a ball from over the top that if he keeps that thing down, it's probably a goal. Um, they had a few of those chances. Should have been. It should have been the Red Bulls. Yeah, and the week before that, they a were the 3-0 win against NYC. Like, as well. 
for me, at least when I watch uh, New England and the times that I've watched them, at least later, they've looked a more cohesive unit. And that could just be time with gelling kind of these, the old and the new. But it, it, you're right, it hasn't been good enough recently. But I'm just looking at their schedule. Like They lost to Montreal, the Galaxy, Red Bulls, and uh, Montreal again. They lost the Dynamo in there too. Like All in all, not bad losses. Um, and, but just, it's not, it's not good enough. You're right about that. Um, I still, I still think that they're playing a little bit better. And if, if a few things had swung their way this season that did last season, like they would be in the playoffs, I think just because they've kind of been so close, but just haven't really gotten it over the line in any individual game that's been close for them. And I, and I think the roster is good enough. Uh, they've had really, really bad luck with injuries uh, this year. Uh, on top of the fact that they lost a couple of players, um, but I think, I think, yeah, you're you're right. The roster is good enough that they should be a playoff team. I think that's why we all kind of thought they would be, which just makes it more mind-boggling that they're behind uh, behind Charlotte at this point, uh, and behind Miami and and Cincinnati as well. So I think so. And, and maybe that's sticking in my mind is like this team's a drastically year. different team than the one that you know, lost to NYC at home last year to uh, kind of end that crazy season and the team that took the field this year to start the season. Maybe that's what's kind of thinking that I, or in my mind that I think that this team has been better as of late is because I think I had, we, we all are, you know, advanced stats people around here. and We know about regression of the mean and now we all knew that coming into the season. I think I expected them to be better just because they were returning a lot of that team um, not all of it, but a lot of that team. And I think it was that seeing Turner was in there. Turner didn't play bad to start the season by any means, but they had Turner, they had Buxa. They they had a few of those key players who then they lost. And then at that point, it was like, okay, well, now you're sitting 11th or 12th, and now you've lost those players. And so they've they've been able to steady the ship in large part to you know, Petrovic, who's been insane, but... You know, it's just it's not been good enough since. So I I think we I kind of see where you're getting. I would kind of have a compromise point on that one. But I think yeah, we're both on that. Toronto, you know, needed to be better, and we and we knew that we we were talking about that the entire way before they got in senior, and then they announced that they were getting Bernadeschi. Is that you know this team needs to start getting results in April, April and May, because when June and July come around they just weren't in a good enough position. They had to be perfect and you're not going to be perfect in this league. There's just, there's not a shot. So that was kind of the main thing uh, with Toronto. And that was just kind of the, my last main point that I wanted to touch on. Yeah. And, and just one last thing there on, on the revs. So we're in the, the end of September and they, they sold Adam Buxa what back in May uh, and he's still t- tied for the team leading goals. So he's on seven uh, with Bo and, and Hill, uh, and he's played nine games, or excuse me, ten games. Uh, so that's that's not great. That's about it. it Andres, do you have anything more as we kind season. of start to wrap up? Kind of been an interesting pod, kind of done more topical rather than games, and I've enjoyed it. Uh, last kind of thing that you want to touch on, and we can start to wrap up. should probably, before we get out, at least talk a little bit about the Hudson River Derby. Uh, wasn't it wasn't the greatest of games. I think it was settled, you know, in the first minute. Uh, NYC getting getting a big win that I think they sorely needed. 
after beating Atlas midweek and and kind of stemming this really bad run of form that they've been in, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much this says about NYC going forward. I didn't think they played uh, particularly great. Uh, Rebels really didn't create much of anything either, to to be fair. Uh, But I think for NYC, at least it stops the bleeding. It gets them pointed in the right direction. I think you see what a big difference Alexander Collins is. Uh, he gets the opening goal and and really stops stuffs out a lot of their their attacks on the other end. So uh, a really good win for for NYC. Uh, we'll see if they can build on that and start turning back into the team. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I, I would have completely forgotten it for some reason because that is a massive match and we had what was it we had a couple you know Hudson Rivers when you know NYC was like really legit. We had that one. Um, what was that? That was like a open cup, right? And didn't NYC win that one in like the round of, or like the quarterfinals or something like that? And you know that was a great matchup for NYC, and then stuff kind of started to fall apart after open cup for them. And you know Red Bulls really took the lead in kind of the conference, you know, setup. And now that you know those two teams have started to kind of, you know, I think NYC has started to come back to the team that we know that they are. Red Bulls have started to regress just a little bit. I think both these teams are kind of or more even in a way now than they have been in a little bit. Uh, and that's interesting for me to see. Uh, for NYC, they're going to be looking to continue what they were able to do in this game because before that, it wasn't great. This is their first win in a while, but they did they looked really good while doing it. So I think for NYC, it's continuing the form, right? Kind of this immediate form. And for the Red Bulls, it, it's just it's stopping the bleeding and kind of getting back to the Red Bull way, which is don't let up goals and like they did against Montreal at the uh, end of August. It's a one 0 win, right? Two one versus the Revs last week. It's just that kind of clockwork soccer where it just it death taxes and uh, Red Bull soccer, which is just defend, get win one nil, make it really boring. And they weren't able to do that versus NYC. And so that's a great point that you brought up that game. And and just to update the standings on where these two teams are, both on 32 games played, Red Bulls sitting on 50 points, NYC on 49 points. So three, uh, the third place and the fourth place, respectively. For these, for these two teams, it's going to be home playoff games for the first round and uh, probably not uh, for the second round. So yeah, these two teams, just very interesting um, where they're at right now. And... I think for the first time in a long time, Andres, if I might be wrong about this, but neither of these two teams I can say are particularly favorites to go anywhere in the playoffs. Uh, no, and you would have thought otherwise, especially for New York City. Uh, I think we would have thought they'd be one of the, the major favorites to, to get through the East. Uh, but you mentioned they weren't great before this. They were the worst team in the league points-wise. Uh, for about 10 games there in a row. So just getting that turned around and playing a little bit closer to the talent that they have uh, goes a long way. Uh, We'll see what their form is in these last two games. If they can kind of get it going again, get that momentum going, then they have enough talent that it wouldn't be that surprising to see them uh, make a run here. Uh, But the way that their form has been, you... You wouldn't have no, certainly not. Like in terms of like the the more contextual form, which is like they haven't been good at all since I mean, really since CCL. Let's be honest. Um, Then yeah, like that that's kind of that longer form that, like I said, 
like they're not hoping to continue. But in terms of like the recent form, like I was talking about, in terms of this last week, and then having you know this to kind of marinate as they you know look to the last two weeks of the season, and then into playoffs, this is good form, and this is very necessary. Uh, for what it's worth, I was talking about the matchups between these last two teams. NYC actually won uh, in the middle of July when they were really, you know, they were still down back then, and Red Bulls were pretty good, and NYC was able to get the win. And in Open Cup, that was the matchup I was talking about. It was a crazy game, and I forgot Red Bulls actually won three nil in that game um, in, with red cards and everything. So the the last couple matchups versus these teams have been really interesting. Um, but yeah, for the first time in a long time, neither of these two teams are really favorites to do anything uh, when it comes playoff time. And I think we talk about both these lineups, um, as we talked about lineups for Toronto and the Revs, we talked about those lineups in terms of lineups that should be getting into the playoffs, uh, all things being equal. For the for these two teams and their lineups, their lineups that should be challenging at the top of the East, and for one reason or another, neither of these teams really were able to. For the Red Bulls, slightly more... Yeah, you know, slightly more of a an okay season because like we talked about their finishing, but for NYC like they need more of these wins because this is just not going to cut it. Um, with the lineup and with the talent that uh these uh that this team has in particular, Andres, you're welcome to finish up this game as we start to head out. Anything more on Hudson River? Yeah, I don't have a ton on this game in terms of tactics uh, i will say I, I agree with you in terms of talent on the team nyc should be challenging for supporter shield and they were right around yeah. that race until about early july uh and when, when they went into a really bad run of form um i actually think on the red bull side they they probably were performing or slightly outperforming what, what they have talent because they've never had a striker at any point of the season that that produces consistently um they've got good players but not you know no 10 million 12 million dollar signings from overseas they're mostly guys that they've developed um through red bull 2 or bring in from from you know on lower end contracts uh in inside the league like lewis morgan's been fantastic they brought him in from miami um and so i think Actually, they they're probably performing at or even above uh, what what their talent level is. So I think from Red Bull's side, it's been a pretty good season. It's going to be their first home playoff game in like four years. Uh, from NYC, definitely a pretty terrible second half of the year. Yeah, uh, but like still time the, to to make a run. And the timeline for NYC this year has basically been okay after CCL, amazing since the middle of July, horrific, and now they look to be at another inflection point and maybe it just keeps going down from here or maybe they start to write that ship and like this this team can beat anyone any team in this league on any day um and that's kind of what the playoffs are right they're they're one-off games the the only reason why i think that the red bulls are kind of where i would expect them to be is just because i think that that defense is so good and they have a few of those creative midfielders that you know when you have a lukinos when you have a frankie amaya a lewis morgan you know, it's not going to be repeatable goals, but that like the Red Bull way is not repeatable goals. Like it, it's, it's never been. And so I'm looking at this team in terms of a more, they have enough players who can get them a goal here or a goal there. And I trust that D 
you know, over a run of games to defend. And obviously, I think Coronel is a, a great keeper, right? You need a good keeper with this kind of setup. And he's been that guy. So that that's why I'm okay with where they're at. But I can I can see your point of why they've been overperforming too, because like we we always talk about, those goals just don't ever come. And and we look about and we look at the um the the supporter shield standings uh, league wide and in terms of the top eight teams in the league, Red Bulls are sitting fifth. All those other uh, seven teams have goal differences of over ten, and the Red Bulls are sitting at plus eight. Not because they don't, not not because they don't give up goals, or sorry, not because they give up goals left, right, and center, because they don't score them. And we'll see. We always say cannot be rectified. I just, it seems like they're just not going to address it moving forward, and this is going to continue to be the discussion, right? They've had six or seven years uh, to rectify it and have never never splurged for that one piece that they needed. Do uh, you think uh, of what some of those 2016 uh, through through 20 Red Bull teams uh, could have been uh, with a little bit more investment? Uh, and they never, you know, they had guys like Kaku come through and, and a few others that they tried, but never made that big splash to get that creativity and that finishing uh, and relied a lot on the system. It's tended to mostly work, but it's got a ceiling uh, and they're, they're just about at it most of the time. So I think it is what it is. Most Red Bull fans will be, will tell you that they're, you know, somewhat disappointed that that's been the case for, for years now. And it seems like, and yeah, as we wrap up here, that's the, the perfect future yeah, kind of embodiment of, Re- of Red Bull system. It, it always kind of hits its ceiling but it never breaks through because for that ceiling to really go places that those fans want it to go, which is shield it's MLS cup. They need a striker who can bang in goals. And until they invest in that piece and they haven't for a very long time, it's not going to happen. But you know, all that being said, they're still going to have a home playoff game. They're still probably going to be the third seed in the East and take on maybe an FC Cincinnati uh, maybe Orlando teams that could 100% beat them, but at home, you expect the Red Bulls to put together something in the first round that could see them through the second round, and who knows? You know, they are you know, with their defense, they can they can hold off a lot of good offenses in this league. We'll see where that goes, but yeah, that's about it. It's about it on this kind of wild pod. We've hit on a ton of stuff, but I'm glad that you were here to do it with me, Andres. Always really, really appreciate your insight. Your pretty awesome when it comes to this stuff um and uh listeners next week i'm not sure what we're going to have coming there are mls games going on uh through the international break kind of a game here a game there so we'll see what we're gonna do maybe if the u.s gives us something to talk about we'll hit a little usmnt pod which i love to do from time to time but kind of keep it posted over the next week and then certainly uh october 1st is rolling around and that'll be the uh, kind of resuming of the full MLS slate. And then it's an absolute sprint to the finish. It's so much fun. Only two games left for most of these teams. And boy, it, it almost never felt like this day would come. And yet it always does. And we're here at decision day and it's playoff spots up for grabs. It's just, it's everything that we love about this league. So keep it, uh, keep it posted for pod information for the next week or so. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy life, enjoy the beautiful game, and we will see you then.